I'm Heather, a chaos coordinator and mom of three young kids. Chaos and cookies is literally my life, with never-ending dishes, laundry, you name it. Being a mom is a blessing, but it also comes with hard days too. Together, we can find the humor and real solutions to lighten your load and clean up the crumbs. You're listening to the Chaos and Cookies Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Chaos and Cookies Podcast. I am super excited about this interview and this podcast episode because we are talking about dinosaurs. And for those of you who know, my oldest son, who is eight, has loved dinosaurs since he was just like pretty much out of the womb. We've we've thrown probably three or four Jurassic World birthday parties and he's obsessed and knows everything and anything about them. And so uh, I have Dr. Nazar Ibrahim here today. And before I bring him on, let me give you a little bit of background on him. Uh, Dr. Nazar Ibrahim is a vertebrae paleontologist and comparative anatomist with a background in the bio and geosciences and a PhD in vertebrae paleontology. His teaching and research affiliations include the University of Detroit Mercy, the Carnegie Museum of Natural History in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and the University of Portsmouth in the UK. Over the last decade, he has reached millions of people around the globe via speaking tours, exhibits, educational videos, books, and scientific literacy projects for young people. Ibrahim and his discoveries have been widely featured in National Geographic Magazine, most recently in Reimagining Dinosaurs and in Nature Science, The Wall Street Journal, Discovery, and many other major national publications. Please welcome Dr. Nazar Ibrahim to the podcast. Thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. Yes, so it's quite a mouthful, uh, but I expected that. And um, so before we get started, I do an icebreaker question. Okay, I'm ready. Okay. And that is, what is your favorite cookie and or cookie memory? Oh, that's a, that's a good one. Um, I like um, white chocolate cookies, actually. Um, and my favorite cookie memory... Um, so when I was a student in Bristol in the UK, um, I used to go with a friend of mine and, uh, you know, with a tight budget and would, uh, you know, buy cookies in the supermarket and go into a, a local park and, you know, just sit down and have cookies and, you know, our lunch there. So that's, that's a good cookie memory, I think. <laughs> yeah, that's great cookie memory. And uh, white chocolate is one of the pop popular uh, answers other than chocolate chip. So, okay. I guess well, I'm you're the expert. Out. I don't know. I don't know. What uh, no, no. I mean, I'm not a big, I bake, but like chaos and cookies is because it's chaos with three kids and cookies because there's always crumbs, no matter how much you clean. Um, you're a parent, correct? Yes. And how old is your kiddo? Um, five, almost six. Five is a great age. I have a eight seven and five-year-old. Yeah. And it's, so it's, uh, the dinosaur age, right? That's dinosaur the... age. Yes, absolutely. Uh, my kiddo knew every dinosaur name before he knew what like a pig or animal, like typical cows, chickens were, um, the names he can just rattle off is incredible. Yeah, I mean, kids kids have this this uh, really strong connection with dinosaurs, and I think in part it's because 
dinosaurs are very different from the animals that they would see in the zoo, for example, right? I mean, there's nothing like a T-Rex around today, right? There's nothing like a Diplodocus around today. So in some ways, dinosaurs are a little bit like, um, you know, the dragons from our mythology, except that they're real. Right. And so how do you address the question? Because some people go around saying that they're not real or anything like that. How do you address those types of questions if you ever get that? Well, it's kind of hard to deny the existence of dinosaurs, I guess, <laughs> right. because I spent a lot of time digging them up. Um, and of course, you know, I mean, natural history museums um, do a pretty good job of, you know, sharing dinosaurs with the world. I mean, you know, if you walk into a major natural history museum, there will be towering dinosaur skeletons and fossils. Um, dinosaurs are, you know, pretty amazing. I mean, it's, they are one of nature's greatest success stories, right? I mean, you know, they dominated life on our planet for a very, very long time. Um, they're incredibly diverse and their fossils are found all around the world, right? I mean, you, can, you know, they're polar dinosaurs, there are dinosaurs from China, from Argentina, from the Sahara Desert. Um, so dinosaurs are kind of everywhere, right? And so, I don't know, I think it's pretty hard to deny their existence. Yes, and I agree. And I'm thing. in Texas and my son is obsessed with the Quetzalcoatlus. Yes. Did I say that right? <laughs> yeah, you did, you did say that, right? And actually, that's that's um, it's it's interesting that you bring up Quetzalcoatlus, which because that's of course one of the largest flying creatures ever to evolve, right? Quetzalcoatlus, and you know it's not a dinosaur; it's a pterosaur. So it's kind of you know they're kind of related to dinosaurs. Um, but I'm working on a very large flying creature at the moment, and it's about the same size as Quetzalcoatlus, maybe even bigger. Um, and I actually spent some time in Big Bend National Park in Texas um, hunting for fossils of Quetzalcoatlus uh, a few years ago. So, you know, that's a really good place. You know, of course, everything is bigger in Texas. So the biggest pterosaur <laughs> in the United States was found in Texas in Big Bend National Park. Um, How appropriate. When I was down there, I did not find um, any fossils of Quetzalcoatlus. I was only there for a few days. But um, I did find a dinosaur skeleton um, of a big plant-eating dinosaur. Um, so yeah, Texas is a pretty good place for dinosaurs, and it's the best place in the world for Quetzalcoatlus for sure. That's awesome. There's a place down here in Austin. It's it. I have not taken him yet because I think it depends on the time of year and where the water hits. But there's like a a bed that has old dinosaur uh, footprints. Mm. And yeah. it's yeah, not yeah. too far from here. I haven't done it yet, uh, but from what I understand, there's some old fossil or fossilized, uh, if that's how you say it, uh, footprints yeah. somewhere. Yeah, yeah, that's that's pretty amazing. I mean, skeletons are great, but footprints are also really amazing because it's essentially, you know, fossilized behavior. You know, you might see tracks of an entire herd of dinosaurs, or you might see tracks of a dinosaur. Um, swimming you know sometimes we find these like tracks that were actually that represent swimming you know behavior you know we just see like little marks scratch marks on the on the bottom of a, of a lake or a, or a river um so yeah dinosaur tracks are, are great um there's uh there are many good places but i think some of the best are, are in texas so yeah wonderful that's that's exciting to hear i'll have to look some up um so let's talk a little bit before because i have more lots of lots of questions about dinosaurs but before we do that what is uh can you explain a little bit more about what national dinosaur day is and dinomania um 
and, and exactly what that's all about? Yeah, so National Dinosaur Day is really, a, you know, a celebration of these incredible animals, right? But I'm sure you'll agree, um, you know, every day should be National Dinosaur Day, right? <laughs> I mean, every day should be a dinosaur day. It's kind of a no-brainer. Um, and Dinomania is National Geographic's celebration of dinosaurs. And um, it's, it's really good because at the center of Dinomania are dinosaur books, right? So National Geographic Kids has um, some really great dinosaur books. And I always have a soft spot for dinosaur books because that's how my you know, love affair with science and dinosaurs began. It, it started with a book, right? I was four or five years old and I got this book on dinosaurs and um, you know, I was blown away. And I decided there and then that I would become a paleontologist. So, um, uh, and National Geographic has, has these amazing kids books. I was a scientific consultant on, on some of them. Um, so I can vouch for their quality and, and uh, um, accuracy. accuracy. And so if you want to find <laughs> out more about the books, um, you can go to kids.nationalgeographic.com um, slash animals slash prehistoric. Um, and, you know, there are lots of things. There's, you know, dinosaur posters. You can do a dinosaur personality quiz and, you know, all sorts of things. But there's also like a, a listing of, of many amazing um, National Graphic Kids dinosaur books. Um, and there's everything from a book devoted just to T-Rex to a book on dinosaur records to, you know, all sorts of other things. Yeah, I probably have every book known to man. My son walks around like a raptor quite a bit. Um, we have every toy known to man and his, his, we've got big decals on his wall. I'm actually staring at a giant blue Raptor right now in my office, uh, it's like life size. So it's a huge thing here. Uh, what's your favorite dinosaur? That's a good question. Um, I would say it's usually the one that you just happen to be working on because, you know, when you work on a specific dinosaur, you're doing a research project, then, you know, that's kind of your, obsession for a certain period of time right and you're kind of trying to flesh out this this animal um but i certainly you know um i would say one dinosaur um called spinosaurus has a very special place in my heart because it's a dinosaur we've been describing we've been working on um for several years now it's a giant predatory dinosaur bigger than t-rex uh, with a giant sail on its in on its back Right. Um, is it bigger, like gold. taller, longer, all, all together? All together. <laughs> okay. It's, yeah, it would have been about 50 feet long. Um, and, you know, not quite as, as bulky and, and, and robust as a T-Rex, but, you know, uh, much longer um, with a paddle-like tail. And the really cool thing about this dinosaur is not its size. The really cool thing about this dinosaur is that it was essentially a river monster. It was a dinosaur at home in the water. So it had this, this paddle-like tail and crocodile-like jaws to snatch fish. We're talking about big fish here. The place where Spinosaurus lived was filled with giant fish, some as big as an SUV. Wow. Um, and giant crocs, some as long as a school bus. Mm -hmm. um, so it's a place that I've described as the river of giants. And so Spinosaurus was essentially the king of this river of giants. Interesting. I, my son loves the Spinosaurus. He loves the T-Rex. He loves the Velociraptor and then all the made up dinosaurs also in, in movies. Um, what would you say about feathered dinosaurs? I'm actually quite curious about this myself because he um, is now getting into that more like 
raptors were feathered, maybe not T-Rexes were or were not. And sometimes they're portrayed without them and some they are. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So we know that some dinosaurs had scaly skin, right? Because we find dinosaur skin and, you know, triceratops had scaly skin and, you know, duck-billed dinosaurs had scaly skin. But we now also have fossils of dinosaurs with feathers, right? Um, especially predatory dinosaurs. And um, when feathers first appear in dinosaurs in the dinosaur fossil record, um, they were not used for flight. They're used for insulation, maybe to keep the animals warm, maybe for display, like a peacock's tail, maybe to you know, find a mate. Um, and it's only later that they, they were used in flight. Um, what that also tells us is that birds are surviving dinosaurs. So birds are dinosaurs. There are a number mm -hmm. of skeletal features that birds and dinosaurs share. So birds are really are dinosaurs. Like, you know, if you see a pigeon or an eagle or a chicken, you know, those are dinosaurs. Um, and they still have the scaly feet and the big claws and everything, right? So you can kind of see the, the resemblance sometimes. Um, so yeah. I guess the, the short answer is yes, Velociraptor was almost certainly feathered. Uh, many dinosaurs were, others were not. With T-Rex, we don't really know. We have some patches of skin of T-Rex and it looks scaly, uh, looks like scaly skin, but it, it's possible that it had some feathers somewhere. Um, but it's quite likely that the baby T-Rex would have been uh, kind of partially feathered or with a downy covering, right? Um, and then so, shed it later as they get bigger. Yeah, uh, you know, it might be that T-Rex is a bit like an elephant. You know, an elephant is a mammal, but it doesn't have a lot of hair or fur because when you're so big, you don't really need any extra insulation. Um, so, you know, but but many dinosaurs were feathered. Right, and it's, just, it's funny, actually, on the way home from... Uh, summer camp yesterday, my son actually said, did you know that birds and reptiles were derived from dinosaurs? I'm like, well, I knew about the birds, uh, but he just knows all these little fun facts and it makes sense with the, with the birds and the, yeah, it's, I mean, many of these categories that we're using, they're kind of like artificial groupings, right? I mean, you know, we know that dinosaurs are reptiles, but then we also know that birds are dinosaurs. So, you know, there, you know, you, you kind of go from reptiles to birds and, you know, we have all these transitional forms now, right? So many of these terms that we're using like birds and reptiles are kind of a little artificial. Sure. Yeah, exactly. I actually have a personal question because when you're an expert in a field and you see, I mean, it's kind of like my dad, he's a, he's a history major. And so when he watches period pieces and things, he's like, that's not accurate. That's not accurate to the era. So with all these dinosaur movies, such as, you know, Jurassic Park, like the old ones, the new ones, and they create these hybrid dinosaurs and there are a lot of like labs and far-fetched things. How do you approach those movies when you watch them? Do you enjoy those or do you just avoid them altogether because you're like, oh, it's nonsense and you know the truth? <laughs> Well, some some of the Hollywood movies are a lot of fun, right? I mean, that's what they are. You know, they're they're Hollywood movies, right? They're not documentary films or you know scientific articles. Um, not a big fan of the hybrid dinosaurs. I'm going to admit. <laughs> yeah. Think, you know, the real dinosaurs are so spectacular. We don't really need any made up um, hybrid dinosaurs. Um, I think when you're watching movies, I mean, Jurassic Park, the original movie, is a, a, a really good movie, right? Not just because of the dinosaurs. It, it was just you know. Um, groundbreaking in, in the use of computer-generated imagery and, and what have you. Um, right. 
it's, you know, it's easy to poke holes in, you know, and say, well, this is wrong. And, you know, this dinosaur looks different. And, but I think as paleontologists, we have to be a little careful because again, you know, they're fun movies. Um, they're there for entertainment. And also I think we should really celebrate movies like Jurassic World or Jurassic Park because, um, huge numbers of people go to see these movies. I mean, these are blockbuster movies, right? Right. And people don't go and see, they don't watch these movies because they want to see a certain actor. They, they, they watch them because they want to see the dinosaurs, right? right. And right. that's pretty amazing. I mean, I cannot think of any other discipline in science that generates such a level of enthusiasm, um, you know, across, you know, the board, you know, from little kids to, you know, everybody watches these movies, you know, I mean, they're, they are adults are little kids too. Like we all like, you know, just because we're adults doesn't mean we don't like our childhood stuff. Right. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, you know, it's same thing for dinosaur exhibits and museums, you know, natural history museums. If you don't have a dinosaur, you know, you're going to have a really difficult time because all those kids are going to walk into the museum and say like, where are the dinosaurs, you know? Um, so they really have a universal appeal. And I think that's something worth celebrating, you know, and people will watch, you know, Jurassic world, and then they might go to the National History Museum or, you know, they might watch a National Geographic documentary film or, or pick up a, a book on dinosaurs and learn more about the real science of dinosaurs. The, the newer one that is coming out, just all because I'm very well versed because my son is counting down the days. Um, dinosaurs live with humans on Earth. How do you think that would go in real life? Well, that would be fun for you. <laughs> Well, as I said, to a certain extent, we, we kind of know what it would be like because, as I said, birds, you know, are still around. Sure, so sure, sure. There, there are more bird species than mammal species in the world today, but I know what you mean. You mean, like, what would it be like? With, with the big the ones that could eat you. Ceratops <laughs> and Brachiosaurus walking around. Um, I don't know. I mean, to be honest, I mean, if we could bring dinosaurs back, I don't know if it would be a good idea because we're not doing a very good job um, protecting the animals that are around today um you sure. know elephants and rhinos and leopards and lions and sharks so i don't know if it's a good idea to bring some extinct ones into the picture <laughs> um but it was just know, a fun question i thought i'd ask why not you yeah. know <laughs> the thing is you know i mean if if the big extinction event had not occurred at the end of the cretaceous you know, um, mammals would not have gotten their lucky break. We wouldn't be having this conversation now and dinosaurs would still rule the world, right? Um, sure. But now that mammals got their lucky break and kind of, you know, um, in many ways dominate life on planet Earth, um, I don't know what it would be like if you brought back dinosaurs. I think they would have a pretty hard time because, you know, our planet has changed, our ecosystems have changed. You know, the world of T-Rex or Diplodocus was a different one. Right, right, exactly. So for, for those that want, well, actually, let me, let me back up. So when you find, so you just said you were working on, a, I guess, a dinosaur day right now. Um, how long does it take for once something's discovered, and I'm sure it's years and years, from the time it's discovered to the time either you find it in a museum or fully assemble like what what does those look like what do those types of digs look like well it takes years i mean digging up the skeleton depends you might find something very small and, and and compact that you can dig up pretty easily 
Um, or you might find a, a giant, you know, plant-eating dinosaur and it takes years and years to dig it up. Um, also depends what kind of rock it's preserved in, you know, sometimes the rock is really hard and it takes a long time to just, you know, prepare the rock off the bones. And then mounting the skeleton um, also takes some time. So, you know, we're, we're talking about years and years, but it really depends, you know, every fossil is different. Sure. And so what's the longest dig you've been a part of? Well, I think the Spinosaurus dig is probably, I mean, we've been working on Spinosaurus for well over a decade now. And, um, you know, going back to the dig site year after year, and every time we think it's the last, it's our final season. And we kind of go like, okay, now we're going to find the last few remaining bones. And then we find so many that we go like, well, I guess we're all going to have to come back next year. And so we keep finding more and more bones. I mean, I'm not going to complain. No. But uh, yeah, that's, um, you know, it's, it just keeps on giving this dig site. Where's that dig happening right now? In the Sahara. So um, in the most famous desert in the world. And the Sahara is a really big place. Um, you know, it's the Sahara is about the size of the United States. So that's a really big desert. Yes. Um, and it's a treasure trove uh, for fossils. And so when we're digging up um, Spinosaurus, you know, sometimes it's, I mean, it's really, you know, it's the adventure of a lifetime, right? You're out there, um, you, you know, there's snakes and scorpions and sandstorms and, yeah. you know, the smugglers <laughs> operating across the borders. And um, sometimes we have experienced flooding in the desert. I mean, it's, it's more adventurous than any Hollywood movie could possibly be. Uh, and it's all real, you know, it's not, you know, special effects and rubber snakes. It's all real. Yeah. Um, so it's a pretty That's incredible adventure, yeah. but uh, you know, and then you get to, to, to resurrect these dragons from deep time. So, you know, I, I can't really think of anything that would be more fun. Right. No. And it's interesting that you, you found the Spinosaurus, which you had just explained as like what, the river giants, but in the desert. That's right. I mean, that gives you this overwhelming sense of what we call deep time, right? I mean, just, um, you know, going to a seemingly timeless place like the Sahara, and then, you know, you, uh, you find giant fish scales and crocodile predators and, you know, um, and then you realize that this was a river system. It's pretty amazing. Right. That's, yeah, that's incredible. Because I was like, well, you're going to Sahara and finding something that was around a lot of water. And so, you know, I think that's very interesting. Uh, well, yeah, then my yeah, last I mean, question would be, what does it mean to be a National Geographic explorer yourself? Because I've, I've actually interviewed quite a few National Geographic authors and specialists on, on my podcast. They're very popular, especially because I like, I also, this is a special one for my son. It's just, I just want to be like the favorite mom. <laughs> <laughs> like like a mom moment but um what does it mean to you um it's it's really uh it's been a really great experience i mean you know in in my work um i try to get people especially young people all around the world excited about science and exploration right and if that's what you want to do you can't really wish for a better partner than National Geographic, right? I mean, um, the National Geographic magazine is published in many different languages, you know? I mean, even when I go to the Sahara, the people there, some of them have seen um, some of the documentary films I, I featured in, um, you know, dinosaur documentary films. Um, you know, you have National Geographic books, uh, you know, I've worked on exhibits, uh, speaking engagements and so on. 
So it's a really um, amazing platform to, you know, if you want to share your science with a broad audience all around the world. So it's, uh, it's been a pretty amazing experience so far. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's an incredible platform to learn so much. I mean, it's been around for a very, very long time. And I mean, my son has gotten really into watching National Geographic documentaries and if it has a dinosaur on it, he's on it. And I think at one point we watched one where he thought it'd be more about dinosaurs and it wasn't. And he was <laughs> watched it the whole time waiting for it to happen. I mean, he learned a lot of stuff. Like I learned about like tarantula hawks and all sorts of stuff on there. But, um, you know, like you said, dinosaurs are just very fascinating and, and they're, yeah, they can last a well, lifetime. They sometimes do that. They sometimes use the word dinosaur to sell something, right? So they'll have, mm -hmm. uh, you know, there's a, I don't know, the, the, there will be books with titles like, you know, life before the dinosaurs, you know, it says dinosaurs in big letters and, and right. I get disappointed, but it's like, you know, it's not really dinosaurs or, you know, so yeah, I think, yeah, sometimes the, the word dinosaur doesn't mean that they're dinosaurs in, in the final product, but yeah. Right. Well, does your son have a favorite? Does he, does he have a, a preference on what he likes to look at? Um, got lots of, of documentary films he likes. Um, and he's a big fan of Spinosaurus, of course. Yeah. He always finds out firsthand what the latest science is on Spinosaurus. Um, and, you know, also really enjoys um, fossil hunting. So, you know, um, in the UK, for example, is a great place, the Isle of Wight, it's known as Dinosaur Isle. And you, you can just walk down the beach. And if you're lucky, you'll spot some dinosaur tracks, dinosaur footprints, for example. Um, so that's a really great thing for kids, you know, and, and kids sometimes find amazing fossils. I mean, some really cool fossils have been found by kids, you know, so. Um, they love rocks. I, the, few the amount of rocks that I find in pockets. Where, you know, yeah, it's one of the few scientific disciplines where a five-year-old can make a, a groundbreaking <laughs> discovery. That's amazing. No, that's fine. You also have, you know, dino dad right there. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's kind of uh, very popular at school. <laughs> Yeah, I bet. Well, this was a, a really great conversation. I, I was, when this um, opportunity came to talk to you, I immediately jumped at it because, you know, he, he just loves dinosaurs. I, I have learned so much. Um, it's actually the cutest thing in the world. My five-year-old is now starting to get into it. He actually says Giganinosaurus, I think, but he has a little <laughs> bit of a lisp. <laughs> and I thought it was Gigantosaurus. And my, my oldest was like, it's Giganinosaurus. Yep. That's right. And apparently it was a very big dinosaur and yeah, big predatory dinosaur from Argentina. Yeah. I think it's incredible. We, we take them to Jurassic quest every year and it, they're big animatronic dinosaurs. Last year it was because of COVID. Um, we had to drive through and you got to see the large, like they have them like life size and yeah, yeah. the animatronics weren't great, but it, they loved it. They were in awe and getting to see things like that, even if they're not real. So uh, thank you for keeping the, the spirit of dinosaurs alive too, with all the work that you do. Sure. Sure. My pleasure. Yeah. And, and like we said, um, there's a, an event next week, so I'm definitely going to try and, and see what I can do about getting my kiddos over there. And, uh, where else can we find you and follow you and your work, uh, for all the dinosaurs, well, especially um, the spinosaurus that you found? Yeah, you know, on social media, you can you can follow me on on Nisa Ibrahim uh, PhD, so at Nisa Ibrahim PhD. 
Um, and for NetGeo, the best place is um, kids.nationalgeographic.com uh, slash animals slash prehistoric. And you can find out everything about dinosaurs and all the, the books they have. Um, and um, there's a, there was a cover story in the National Geographic magazine, and there's also an online version of the, the, the magazine story. And it's called Reimagining Dinosaurs. Um, that's a really, really good one if you want to find out the latest about uh, dinosaurs and, and dinosaur research. Um, it's a really great story. Well, thank you so much for, for sharing all of your knowledge and letting me ask crazy questions. <laughs> sure, no problem. And uh, I finally got I to will... reveal my favorite cookie. <laughs> yeah, well, hey, you know, I think it's a fun icebreaker. I think, you know, cookies are also not just for yeah, kids, just like dinosaurs aren't that. just for kids. Huh? <laughs> yeah. Sorry. I mean, why not? We're all, we're all big kids. Yeah, why not? It's a good icebreaker. Absolutely. <laughs> well, thank you again for being here. And thank you to the listeners. Uh, please make sure that you guys check out um, the doctors, all their, all his fun stuff, um, National Geographic Kids, and go follow him on social media. And thank you again for listening to another episode of the Chaos and Cookies podcast. Thank you for listening to the Chaos and Cookies podcast. If you want more goodies and friends to share them with, follow the crumbs to the Facebook group or visit the Chaos and Cookies website to grab my sweet secrets on how to calm your cookies. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review on iTunes. See y'all next week for another episode of Chaos and Cookies.